So in your bulletin, page 754 in the Pew Bible, if you got it. Life in the Sun. And now you could even use S-U-N, right? The weather's been awesome. So here's some questions that will hopefully help you out as we go through. What day did Jesus heal the man on? How many other healings? I should say healings. Uh, healings recorded in the Bible did Jesus do on that day specifically, is what I should have put in there. So how many other healings recorded in the Bible did Jesus do on that specific day? Where are they in the Bible? Why would they try to kill Jesus? Significant. And then in blank is blank life. Okay. All right, so let's open up in prayer. So, Father, we thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here to speak with us. We are here to listen. And we are here to receive. And, Father, I pray that you just speak to our hearts. You promise to do so. You will be speaking, and I pray that hopefully our, we won't be distracted, hopefully our hearts won't be hard, uh, hopefully our minds won't be other places, and uh, God, we can just give this time over to you. And we pray, Father, that after you speak with us this morning, that you would teach us how to apply it as we leave and really go and do life. So Holy Spirit, it's... Uh, it's an amazing thing that you're just with so many Christians and so many churches all over the globe right now on this day, speaking everywhere. And Father, we pray, Lord, that uh, we wouldn't miss it. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Need a water? Want a water? Somebody grab her a water. Somebody mind just grabbing one downstairs, grabbing water? Thanks. Okay, so John chapter 5. Now, last week, let's talk about, right, last week a little bit. So last week, um, we talked about the man that was an invalid that was uh, 38 years. Had like an infirmity, you know, he couldn't move, he couldn't, life was just pretty much ruined, you know, for 38 years. Was disabled. Couldn't move, couldn't do anything. Quality of life, you know, was not very good. And... um, he ran into Jesus, and they had a conversation. Jesus heals him there on the spot. He says, pick up your mat and walk. And so the man gets up after 38 years. Can you imagine that? Wow. Picks up his mat. Then he walks. And you would think that, you would think that uh, everybody would see him and They'd be like, wow, that is just incredible. Look at that. What's going on? And you'd think that the church people would be like, this is awesome. We're going to have him speak at the synagogue, you know, coming up. Like, this is amazing. You should give this testimony, you know, and share this stuff. And the first thing that uh, they talk about and bring up, hey, you're carrying your mat on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to do any work. You should be resting. So, like, completely look past the amazing transformation that has taken place in this man's life, and going to immediately what they think is not right. 
And that's really like the true spirit of being too religious or pharisaical. Is when, man, God's doing a radical transformation in somebody's life. Like things are changing and becoming different. And then religious people or people maybe not in the greatest place, they can just look and see all the things that are wrong. Some people have a real talent and knack for that. And that's not really something to have really good talent and knack for if you're going to be a strong Christian believer. Because then it gets interpreted as not really loving the individual. It just becomes interpreted and received as, they're always negative, they're always coming after me. And maybe even what the person is saying is true, but boy, we've got to be careful on like the timing and how we deliver it, right? And I could personally just give you story upon story upon story how I've screwed that one up. Not proud to say it. It's a weird thing. It's a fleshly thing. It's ugly and not right, you know? And, um, man, we're called to stand up for truth and speak truth and, like, not waver in that. That's true. But we're also called to be filled with such love and grace for the value for the individual that we are able to deliver it the best way possible. And with that being said, the reaction does not always determine how well we delivered it. In other words, like just because they got really mad and upset doesn't mean, hey, maybe we, man, we were just right on the money. We got it. It was good the way that came out and the way that happened. Because Jesus came out and delivered some truth, and it just, some people just flat out don't want to see, don't want to be around, and they just put up the wall and dig their heels in. That's it. And hopefully we don't just keep like pushing and pressing and pushing and pressing and <laughs> no good. Don't, right? They're not called to do that, you know? So, man, as Christians, hopefully we can be really good at seeing the value in the person, number one. Number two, recognizing the work that God is doing in and around their lives. And then number three, getting in agreement and in harmony with what he's doing. Well, that's good. I didn't write that down. It's just amazing, right? So number one, right, we could see the value in that person, right? Number two, recognize. Many times that's verbal. Verbally just saying, man, God is like doing something. And you know all the other stuff is going on you don't like. Put that on a hold for a minute. It's like, man, I don't think you would have done that you know, a while ago. Man, there's been such a change in you. It's amazing how you're doing that now. Man, that's cool, so cool to see that. Wow, I'm just real noticing something really different. And I know that's happening because of. And then part three Christian could do a really good job and then get in agreement and get in harmony with what he's already doing. Because now we're not then praying prayers of, man, Lord, help that person. Wow, they're screwed up. They think they got it and they don't. Now the prayer changes to, Lord, use me. They're not getting it. It's like not totally connecting, but I can see that you're working. Use me. Work through me. I want to be that vessel that helps to show 
and bring the connection that's just not connecting. That make sense? I feel like we could just be done with church now. That's a huge thing. Like we could just be done right now. We should be really skilled at that. And you see, as we look at that situation and that individual, the focus is not, you know, we're not thinking about, oh, then they said this to me, or they offended me in this way, or they swore when they said it, or they were doing something. That stuff is like kind of irrelevant a lot of times. It's like, man, God has a value and a destiny on this person's life. And I have been called as a Christian, we have been called as Christians to recognize that value, call that out, help them to see it so then they can go walk in it. Wow, that's so much bigger than showing up to church on Sunday. That just puts church in this right place. Just a time to get together, stir one another on a good works, worship him, get some perspective, and then go out. This stuff is real. This is the stuff that changes lives. Stuff that changes people. Because now you're not just trying to get them to pray a prayer or just get them to memorize a Bible verse. Man, you called out that there's value. And you even see the value that they don't even see. So if you can get past like the weird looks and you know the way they dress and how they're talking, ah, man, let's get to the heart of it. Let's get to where it's really at. Man, thank you, Lord, for just speaking through that, right? It's a big deal. And it's even more difficult, right, when you're in a marriage. It's even more difficult then. Because in a marriage, you know, we've said vows, made ourselves vulnerable. So now there's a history. And so the temptation is... Well, you said you've never said that, and now you're doing it, and da-da-da-da. And man, start going tit-for-tat on stuff, and keeping like a long memory and list of the things that they should have done, that they said they would do, but really didn't. Becomes tough stuff, right? We are called to just deny ourselves. It's very difficult to have a whole lot of rights and want to really prove you're right and make your case and make sure they know it if you're denying yourself and you just don't have any rights. God, I'm just call- I took vows to become love to them. That's what I took vows to do. That's what we're called to be. That's what we're called to be. I don't even know how we got there, but that's where the Lord brought us. It's just... Probably most of that is just for me. I don't know. It's, he's just wrecking me this week. He's just wrecking you know, us. My flesh is just getting in the way just like too much this week. Just silly things that we've just been brought up in and just the way that we respond. and ah, Just not good. Man, I was so looking forward to just coming to church. Like, oh, Lord, thank you. We can just be with your people and in your environment and praise your name because I know that is just not what you died for. You're calling me out of that and your spirit that lives in me wants to see the Jared that has been created that you died for. That's the one that you're calling out and 
just falling into old stuff that's just silly. It's wasting time. And I'm selling short. And a big part of that is just being honest about it, right? We got to be honest about that stuff. Man, this week I just sold short a lot. I reacted instead of really just responding. I got bitter when I just shouldn't have been sitting on it. I was really hesitant to forgive when I just should have forgave. I chose not to see the good works that he's doing and focused on the other difficulties. Got to be honest about that stuff. That's really important. It's the Christian life. And then God can work with that stuff. He says, I know. You're right, you did. But I love you. I'm breaking strongholds. I'm forming your life together. Hopefully you're going to want the same things I want. I'm right here with you. It's a good dad. It's an amazing dad. John chapter 5, huh? All right. Let's see where we go. So, John John chapter 5. Here we go. So, verse 16, it says, now this is kind of a long thing to read here, but I feel like we kind of do the passage and injustice if we just take a section out and we kind of miss the whole thing in its entirety. So we're just going to read it, check it out, have some remarks, and then, um, and then we'll do some communion. So let's see. So this is right after. So we'll pick up in verse 14. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, this is the man that he healed, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. And so if you've got questions about healing... Questions about uh, how sickness even plays into that? Because, I mean, he told this man, stop sinning, or something worse may happen. You know, so is all sickness due to, like, some kind of personal sin and what's going on and how does sin play a role? We talked a lot about that last week, so if you missed last week, you can check it online. So verse 16. So because Jesus was doing these things on the Sabbath, so what day was it? Sabbath. Sabbath. That means no work. Say no work. Supposed to be no work. The Jews persecuted him. This is all that they saw. Jesus said to them, My father is always at his work to this very day, and I too am working. So Jesus' response is, Yep, it is a Sabbath, and God is working, and I'm working. And how many people know he's working right now? Hallelujah is right. Can you imagine if he took a Sabbath off right now? His Monday is going to be rough. Got a whole planet. It says, For this reason, the Jews tried all the harder to kill him. Not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So, why are they trying to kill him? Well, they're trying to kill him, number one, because he's breaking the Sabbath, and two, because he was calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. A lot of groups try to say that God, that Jesus was not God, never claimed to be. It's just not true. And they're going to wrestle with this pastor we're going to read this morning. And they're going to wrestle a lot with John chapter 8. So, Jesus is now in a position where he's got to deal with breaking the Sabbath. And he's going to have to answer to calling God his Father. 
and making himself equal with God. And Jesus is kind of in hot water, sort of. I mean, so Jesus, you know. He's kind of in hot water with them, and they got some problems. And he is about to basically take his own hand on the dial and turn it way hotter and make this thing a huge fire. He's about to just turn this thing up tremendously. You say, really? So those are the issues? Check out his answer. Oh, my goodness. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth. The Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Oh, he's laying it on. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. Uh Uh-oh. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all he does. Yes, to your amazement, he will show him even greater things than these. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Amen is right, right? Like, hallelujah, yes. That's why I had to choose that for the title of the message, man. Life is in the Son. That's where it is. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. That was the verse I just couldn't get away from this week. Verse 22. Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. Whoa. The judge is the Son. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So Jesus is like, yep. He is my dad. We are one. We confront everything. And I always do what he asks. <laughs> it must been, their eyes must have been like, oh my gosh. You know, just, wow. Blowing them away. And then he's saying he's going to be the judge. So they think like, you know, they're going to judge him, put him on trial, deal with him for his saying the wrong things and violating the old command. He's like, no, I am the judge. You're actually going to stand before me. Oof. Verse 24. I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. That's another big amen. We're not going to taste it. I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in Himself, so He has granted the Son to have life in Himself and He has given Him authority to judge, again with the judge, Because he is the son of man. So life is found in the father. It's also found in me, the son. And I have the ability to judge because all life is found in me to begin with. Like, wow. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good will rise up to live, and those done evil will rise to be condemned. There's going to be a judgment. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear, and my judgment is just. For I seek not to please myself, but him who sent me. So he's going to be judging at the end. Then he goes even further. 
He says, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid. So if I was just talking about myself and saying who I was, it doesn't maybe carry a lot of weight. He said, there's another who testifies in my favor. He said, and I know that his testimony about me is valid. You have sent to John, and he has testified to the truth, John the Baptist. Not that I accept human testimony, but I mention it, that you may be saved. John was a lamp that burned and gave light, and you chose for a time to enjoy his light. So like, listen, John the Baptist, that whole thing, when he was baptizing people by the river, that was just set up for me. So he's trying to connect the dots for these guys. And trying to, they've been brought up knowing that a Messiah is coming. And a little bit of homework this week, if I want to read Deuteronomy 18, knowing that the prophet, very significant, Deuteronomy 18, if you want to read it this week, the prophet would be coming saying, hey, listen, he's here. I am that prophet that was talked about. Because they believe that prophet is the Messiah. St. John the Baptist, he was just preparing the way. Verse 36, I have a testimony even bigger, bigger, weightier than that of John. Well, really, who is it? For the very work that the Father has given me to finish, and which I am doing, testifies that the Father has sent me. So he's like, yeah, my testimony, John the Baptist, yep, yep, you know about him, you saw what he did, kind of testifying to me. And someone who's really going to testify, and this word testify is just like, give me your letter of recommendation, who recommends you, who says that you can handle this and do this. And uh, he's going through the list, and now he gives him the heavy hitter, God Almighty, Yahweh. Yahweh has let me, got me a letter of recommendation. And the Father who sent me has himself testified concerning me. You have never heard his voice nor seen his form. Nor does his word dwell in you, for you do not believe the one he sent. So it's like, you guys are missing it. You think you know God really well. You think you do. But you're like, you, you don't at all. Because I'm here right before you. I embody everything that's been taught about and written about. And you guys are just writing me off. In fact, you're planning to kill me. You're totally missing it. I mean, that's like a real danger. That's sobering for me and hopefully for a lot of us. Because these guys really thought they had genuine faith that mattered to God, that was important to God. It's really possible, and I've done it myself, to carry a faith that we think is at a particular place when it's really not. And we could even get other people around us to say, oh yeah, you're at such and such place and you're doing really great. And that could not be the case. Could not be the case at all. It's sobering. Here's why they thought that. They thought that because, verse 39, you diligently study the scriptures because you think that by them you possess eternal life. These guys knew the word inside and out. And that's how they thought they knew God. Oh, so does that imply that you could know your Bible really well inside and out and not have a clue as to the heart of God? Resounding yes! A sobering yes. It's got to really just cause us to step back for a moment. Back, whew. 
okay, but I memorized Psalm such and such, and I memorized this, and I memorized that. It's cool. It's a good starting point. It's important, and the word it says it. I've hidden your word in my heart, so I might not sin against you. Like, those things should be there. But we got to know his heart. We have to be with him and understand who he is. So many times, to boil down a devotion time, to just making sure we read our passage and get whatever prayer thing we got to get in and then be out. The point of a devotion time is to get with the heart of God and what's he saying. Lord, what do you want to say to my heart right now? I'm here to meet with you. I know you're going to speak through your word. But I know that I could convince myself that I read a couple of verses and we met together. God, I want to meet with you. It's quiet times happening right there. That's what they should look like. Those are the types of things that should be happening in our lives, regular basis. Man, because we could be easily deceived. And it's not difficult to get other people, we'll call them friends, around us, even Christian friends, with good intentions. Thinking we're someplace that we're really not. It's important. Because this is where these guys messed up. Nobody knew it better than them. Verse 40, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Verse 41, I do not accept praise from men, but I know you, I know that you do not have the love of God in your hearts. Man, if they've been meeting with them, it's got to be there. It is not cool. And I, I mean, I publicly just say it, like, Guilty of this more time, more times. It's just, I'm ashamed of it. To be at church, to be at a conference, to be in an awesome Bible study, and then to argue with one person in the next breath and just fire off at them like in anger. That is not cool. And it's not right. Stuff should not be going down. And that's how we know we're kind of like close to the deceit area where we can be those in, in those environments and be like, oh yeah, I was around these people. The word, music was really good and the word was really good. And we'll see how much of an impact it takes later on when an, when an opportunity shows itself. Oh, Lord, I, I want it to be more than I was at a cool thing or heard good stuff. I want it to be a part of me. And hopefully we're quick, hopefully, to repent. See, Lord, it wasn't right. It wasn't right. I was in your presence. I was in your stuff. You even used and talked through me, and I just blew it. Literally just blew it. And, Lord, I already know that you know, but I just want you to know that I know. And it's not right. You've called me for more. I'm destined for more. Make sense? Verse 43, I have come in my Father's name, and you do not accept me. But if someone else comes in his own name, you'll accept him. Apparently they liked a lot of other people except for Jesus. How can you believe if you accept praise from one another, yet make no effort to obtain the praise that comes from the only God? But do not think I will accuse you before the Father. Your accuser is Moses. Now he, I don't know, you know, he, he's kind of, like, there's button pushers, you know, in life and instigators. I don't really know how, what he's doing here. I don't see Jesus' body language. 
But man, he is like digging it in right now. And I, I don't know. I don't know. He's giving it to him. Your accuser is Moses. Like Moses was like, that was it. He wrote their Torah. I mean, they follow everything. But God met with Moses and showed them how to live. And they got it memorized and they got it down. They have a whole way of life around it. And it's their patriarch. Abraham, Isaac, you know, Moses. Like, and you say, and your accuser is Moses? Oh, he just fired him up even more. He says, your accuser is Moses on whom your hopes are set. And that's kind of the mistake right there, right? Whenever it's set on a man other than Jesus Christ, we got problems. Can I tell you something cool? So the other day, so yesterday, um, I had to go to the uh, uh, Christian bookstore up in uh, Dan- Danbury, Morningstar. Really good Christian bookstore. I mean, it's not far from here, half hour at the most. It's really good. They got great choices, good CDs, you know, good books. It's, it's, it's really big. Um, so if you're looking, and I know you can buy stuff online, but sometimes people need to be in the store, hold the stuff, handle it, just, you know, ask questions, whatever. Um, so I was in there, and um, I walk in, I saw all these people kind of gathered by the front, and I was like, ah, that's kind of weird. It, usually I come in here, there's not that many people in here. It's like, eh. You know, so I went to the back, got the stuff I had to get. So I'm doing it on a Saturday night, yes. You know, which I need for Sunday. It's the way my life is. So uh, then I'm coming up towards the front, and uh, the woman who, like, runs the bookstore, she's like, oh, yeah, I want to make sure I get a picture. And I'm like, oh, man, that's, you know, interesting. And then I was like, in my head, I was like, maybe that's what the crowd thing was about in front. And so I'm walking up, and sure enough, there is, I don't know if you know, and, um, you know, how many Christian books you read, but... A New York Times best-selling Christian author, Eric Metaxas. And uh, you're probably like, who is that? Okay. You know, but uh, so he, he, he's most New York Times bestseller. So that's huge right there. Because that's just not to the Christian market. Like, that's to everybody. And um, famous books are Bonhoeffer and Seven Men. Um, those are usually, like, his two, like, last most famous books. And the Seven Men one's really good. Bonhoeffer's really good, too. But, um, and so I see him, and I'm like, oh, wow, that's Eric Metaxas. That's, it just kind of dawned on me. I was like, this is pretty neat. I was just read his book, you know, like a year ago, and his dad is right there. And, um, and, and I, I remember before I read his book, I did a little research on him, because I kind of like, I like to research, like, who, when I'm reading stuff, because, I don't know, my time is precious. I don't want to, like, be reading stuff about some wacko. And then I find out at the end, I'm like, ah, you know, I, Unless I want to read a wacko's book. Because sometimes you want to read a wacko's book. You don't want to just read stuff you agree with sometimes, right? But I just, I want to be like, making sure I'm aware of that, you know? So, uh, so I was like, yeah. And he was right there, and, he, and they were talking, and we were kind of all like right there. Um, and he had no idea the bookstore was there. And then I piped in, and I was like, well, aren't you from Danbury? Like, you live in this town. He's like, yeah, I do. He said, I had no idea there's a Christian bookstore here. I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. You know, and they were talking with his dad. And they were talking about Greek food or something, you know. But it was pretty neat, you know. But you could tell the woman of the Christian book, oh, oh, you know, Eric Metaxas. She was all, like, hot and bothered, you know. Eric Metaxas there. He signed in books. All the books that were in this store, like, she had signed. And, oh, you know, and she, you know, there she was with her phone. Yeah. And passing off to her son. And they're taking pictures. 
And uh, I don't know, and, and a part of me, you know, wanted to, but I was like, man, this guy probably gets harassed all the time for information and, like, pictures, you know. I was like, you know, so it was just cool to meet him, you know, and then he left. Um, but um, all that to say, uh, we can be weird about people that are, you know, in the spotlight. And I'm not suggesting that the woman sinned at all in any way or did anything wrong. I don't know. I, I'm not saying that. All I'm just saying is I could just see how in an environment, if it's like a famous Christian artist, famous Christian speaker, or maybe not even famous, you know, a local church somewhere, you know, whoever, as soon as that emphasis gets, oh, I got, what, what are they going to say? And did they notice me? And did they say hi? Like, not good, right? We, we, no, you know, it's just a man or woman that God is just using. He's going to use you. Don't be surprised to use you the same way. <laughs> same destiny, same blood covers your life. Might not have the same kind of singing talent. Don't matter. Same God lives in you. So it just struck me as we just read in there. You know, they just, oh, Moses, Moses. Man, they're missing it. It's about the Messiah that he was writing about. The prophet he was writing about. So if you believe Moses, you would have believed me for he wrote about me. But since you do not believe what he wrote, how are you going to believe what I say? So it's quite a discourse and a dialogue. And like I said, he was kind of in hot water. He just, whoosh, Jack that thing right up all the way. He said, well, listen, while we're on it, let's just go right at it. All the cards on the table. Here's what the deal is. Um, and so the thought um, that I had, a lot of thoughts as I was reading through and praying it this week, but verse 21, really. For just as the Father raises dead and gives life to them, even so, the Son gives life to whom He is pleased to give it. He gives life is what He does. That's your fill in the blank. In Jesus is found life. In Jesus is found life. That's what it is. He, bring, he is known for bringing life, for bringing freedom, for changing environments, for changing people, for impacting people, for bringing life. That's what He's known for. We are called to do much of the same. We're called, we're expected to do much of the same. Unfortunately, many Christians, lots of Christians, some Christians, whatever, some are known for, man, just being really salty and bitter and kind of ho-hum and I hope I make it today. It's another struggle I have to face. Hopefully God will be with me. Oh, he is good. You know, like, no joy in their life at all. I thought the joy of the Lord is my strength. Kind of should be there. And I totally understand that, you know, some situations, man, just come up and some news just hits and it's like, whoa, you know, you got to process that. And like, yes. But to be like that for like 15, 20 years... Not a good thing. Now we're really called to be. He brings life. Hopefully, we are known, man, for bringing life into a situation. I got a coworker, man. He just brought, spoke life into me last night. I was just like uh, praying and getting stuff ready for the message. And 
you know, just a co-worker at work. He's a, uh, he's a deacon in the Catholic Church. Really good guy. Man, just send me an awesome text. Hey, brother, I'm praying for you on Sunday. I know you're going to bring the word, and God's going to speak through you. God bless you. Boom, like, that just brought life to me. Like, they, you know, wow, that is awesome. Right? That's just a simple, you know, little example. But that's like what we're called to be. Hopefully when we show up in a room, we can't add to the list of complaints. Traction stops with us. We can divert it, like, to another direction. It's so easy to just add to the complaint list. Oh, yeah, this food is crappy. I wish I have to wait in this line. And it is so hot, you know. It's, like, so easy to do all of that. Hopefully we can figure out a way to go another direction. And hopefully in a hopeless situation where people are facing serious things, and it's way more serious than being hot and being hungry, and lives are on the line, hopefully then we're in a place where God can use us and speak through us, and we can speak life and bring life. Man, don't you want to be used in that way? We're going to be used in that way. So the question is, I hope... Like, the question in life is, is really when is the next storm coming? Because storms are coming. They're just coming. They just are. To everyone. Hopefully, when they're not coming, man, we're getting alone with him. We're getting to know his heart. We're understanding who he is. When those storms arise, or they're in our life, or in our life around us, and we've been with him, we got something to impart and to speak. Because it's also very discouraging and crushing when those things come up. And we feel we got nothing from the Lord. I'm getting rocked right. I don't know what to do. I don't know. And then we're scrambling. But the idea is, man, to just be with him. When the storms come up, he's going to speak to our hearts. He'll give us encouragement and words to hold on to. And even with other people and other families, other relationships... He'll use us in such a way to bring life and speak life. To put their hope in another place. To bring some new perspective. Man, they, they can't even see right now because they just got rocked and their tunnel is just like this. It's all they can see. So he brings life. And Jesus is found life. And I want to abide in that. Because all of our own stuff is just going to lead to death. It's going to lead to being right. How much value is being right in the kingdom? Just make sure you get salvation right. But in daily interactions and like conflict with people, well, I told them not to do it. And this is like the millionth time and they never do it. They never show up. In a court of law, awesome. You're going to make your point. Good job. You just lost the person. You're losing it. You're losing. So awesome. You got all the reasons. But you're losing Oh, it just breaks my heart because I've just lost so many times. So many times. And it's so easy to start losing again. Because I've got to make my case and prove my point. We're destined for more than that. I'm not called to like, oh, they're getting under my skin. We get new skin. He gives new skin. Nothing gets under there. All right. So we've got a few minutes here. We're going to take communion together. Austin, if we could just do like um, that last song, just soft, you know. Elements are up here. Again, I know I say it. Um, 
you don't have a relationship with Christ, really doesn't make much, doesn't make any sense to take communion. It's just, it's all based in Jesus, what he has done for us. We believe it, we receive it, we rest in it, and we walk in faith in it. And so, it's all about Jesus. And so, if, if you're in a position where you're like, yeah, I don't know if I've given my entire life and heart to him that we're, I'm okay with him having my life in my heart, then you wouldn't take communion. So you, you wouldn't. In fact, the Bible encourages you not to. Um, and so, but if you are in a place where Jesus is your Savior, he is your rock, he is your Prince of Peace, maybe you haven't experienced it a lot lately, maybe you've been shooting yourself in the foot a lot, that's okay. But if you believe that he is and you want him to be, you're taking communion. Um, and so let's just give everybody a chance before you take communion. Um, if you could just bow your heads and close your eyes. Maybe somebody will take communion for the first time. As a Christian, today, right now, I just want to give you the opportunity. So if you have never, if you have never submitted your life to Christ, you've never actually told him, Jesus, I make you Lord of my life. You are the creator. You are the judge. I'm going to stand before you. I'm going to have a debt I can't pay. I want to receive what you've done for my life. If you've never done that, you could do that now. So everybody's uh, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. If you've never done that, just raise your hand. We'll do it now, and then you'll take communion for the first time. So if nobody's done that, you could just raise your hand. All right? And I won't belabor it and make it weird. Alrighty. So, Lord, we just give you this time, Lord, of communion. Jesus, we thank you for what you've paid for us. In you is found life. And, Father, we confess if we made a lot of steps towards death and a lot of steps towards things that are not fruitful, fruitful in the wrong ways. Jesus, we just, man, we'll never really know the type of cost and love that you had when you hung on that cross and you came out of heaven when you suffered what you suffered here for our sake so you could see us come into the true glory of who we were created to be in the first place. We just thank you, Jesus. We pray that we would embody that type of sacrifice and love. Hopefully we'll go out. We're going to make it really enjoyable for those who are going to be on the receiving end of coming in contact with us this week because we're going to bring life. Hey. They are. And God's doing like a really good work, you know, in our little church family and, you know, growing people together and 
stuff's really important because when we're really interested in seeking out and chasing after the heart of God, it's good to be in a community that's doing that. <coughs> it's real tough to do that on your own. In fact, it's really dangerous. So it's good. So Lord, we pray, well, we just thank you, first of all, that you're going to be patient with us, that you are patient with us, that you understand us. We thank you that your grace empowers us to live what you're calling us to live. It's amazing to us that you use us to spread and be evidence of your good news and hope. But that's the way you chose to do it. Now, Father, I pray that you would increase our faith, Lord, when things are difficult, when we want to respond in the flesh, because it's so easy and so natural. Father, I pray that we'd be able to rise above that. And Father, I pray that you just teach to each one of our hearts what it means to speak life, to bring life to people and to situations. And I pray, Lord, that we'd be able to, at least guilty of that at least once this week. So Father, we thank you for our time. We thank you for your love for us. Pray that we would become it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.